Please sit down. Chris is very good at uh, picking uh, songs that go with uh, the theme of what we're uh, talking about on any given Sunday, and he's he's done that uh, here. Both of standing one. I hate being filmed because I I'm, a, I'm I'm an ex-teacher, and as an ex-teacher, I love wandering around. We always used to say, you know. Um, don't stand in one place as a teacher, move around the whole classroom. And I, I got into that habit. So, you know, um, if I was still in the classroom, I'd be coming up and talking to Patrick now, you know. And then, but um, I've got to try and stay in one place with the camera, which is it's going to be very tricky. But anyway, I'll do my best. Uh, the, um, that song uh, talks about, um, uh, you know, many things, doesn't it? It talks about the, the, the significance of the Bible. Um, and he talks about the devil as well. And that's a terribly unfashionable concept, isn't it, the devil? Um, but the devil's real, and we're going to talk uh, about the devil uh, in a moment. But we're also going to be talking about the Bible and, and the purpose of, uh, of, of the Bible in our lives. Um, and uh, I've been uh, cheekily advertising this book, and I'm going to cheekily advertise it again. Please do collect your copy at the end. Uh, I actually wrote that book, and I thoroughly enjoyed writing it. Um, and I wrote it for, um, you know, a number of purposes. One was to capture the uh, the history of the church before it was lost. Uh, one of my interviewees um, is nearly as old as Cyril. Um, and he's, he was a great repository of, of, of much of what had happened in the church just before the Second World War. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, talking to him and capturing it was, was I felt, really important. Um, but also, uh, it's, it's about, um, it's about um, thinking about what God's doing in the church at the moment. That's also um, why uh, the book was written. Um, and, and, and I think any book that is written has uh, you know, clear purpose behind it. George Orwell, who um, was a great man in my view, um, uh, I'm a great fan of George Orwell, the writer. He said there are four four reasons why people write. He said they write for egotistical purposes. They write to sort of you know to put themselves out there. Um, they write for what he called aesthetic enthusiasm. You know the the, the love of the write, of writing is a craft. You know how can I make this you know a really lovely piece of literature that people will enjoy and want to read. Um, historical impulse, which I think was really, you know, significant in writing this book, um, capturing, you know, something about the past, perhaps before it's lost, or to reinterpret our uh, understanding of the past. And finally, he said political purpose. And then he goes on to explain in his book um, uh, the, the the purpose of writing, why he ended up doing mainly the last one, because he was so angry, I suppose, at a lot of what he saw in the world. Well, I think a lot of that's in the Bible. You get, you know, you get some beautifully crafted, in fact, you know, it's all beautifully crafted, but some is, you know, particularly strikingly well crafted. You get, you get, you know, the, the capturing of, of history in the Bible, don't you? It's an amazing book of history. Um, you also get, um, I'm going to say political purpose with a small p. I mean, clearly Christ was very keen to, to point out that he wasn't, uh, you know, he didn't come with a, a political agenda in the way we normally understand it. But if you're a Christian, you will you will want to see change in the world. So in that sense, there's political purpose in the Bible too. But that undersells it, doesn't it? Because, um, as Paul says to Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed. So when we look at the Bible, 
we look at something that's not a human invention, a human creation. There's no, in that sense, there's no human ego involved. Um, it's, it's God's purpose, God's book, and it glorifies him. Um, and, and so when we come to the Bible, we're coming to a very, very different book indeed. Um, and, and I want to talk a little bit about that first this morning. I'm going to talk about three things. I'm going to talk about purpose, um, purpose of, of, of writing, purpose behind the Bible. Uh, we're going to talk about um, how the Bible gives us confidence, particularly, obviously, we're looking at this uh, section in John's uh, letter. And finally, we're going to look a little bit about our focus. Um, and I think those are three the three things that probably come out most strongly from uh, these uh, eight verses that we're looking at this morning. First of all, then, God's, uh, with God's plan and, and purpose um, in the book. Um, if you look at um, verse 14 in uh, the, the section that we're looking at, uh, we have John saying, when we, uh, when we pray, we should ask according to God's will. And that's his acceptance that it's God's will that will be... Um, uh, what will determine what happens in this world. It's not going to be, you know, Putin or, or, or Biden or anybody else. It's going to be God's will uh, will come to fruition. And in verse 18, when he's talking about um, the devil, he says, the evil one does not touch him, the Christian. In other words, if God purposes that somebody will be saved, they will be saved. So God's purposes, so as he writes this, uh, John is very conscious of the fact that that Christ, that um, God's purpose in Christ will be uh, the thing uh, that will happen. And therefore, when he writes, he also understands that um, although he has his own purpose, he is writing within that context of, of God's purpose working out. Um, Paul uh, sums this up quite nicely at the beginning of Ephesians. Ephesians uh, 1 and verse 8 and following, he says, with all wisdom and understanding, God made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. So what he's saying is that the, the purpose, God's purpose, God's plan was already in place, but he made it known uh, through the Bible. Um, so the Bible doesn't, doesn't, if you like, change God's purpose, it just makes it known uh, to us, um, and uh, and I think uh, Peter is very helpful in this. He says, um, though human, sorry, uh, prophets. Peter says, though humans spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, and it's clear from what he goes on to say in the rest of his letter that he includes the New Testament in that. So the Old and the New Testament, the people who wrote that book spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. We can have confidence that what people are writing in the Bible is what God wanted them to write. But, nevertheless, there is uh, there are humans writing the Bible, and they want us to know why they wrote the Bible. And if we look at um, John's writings as an example, he wrote, obviously, John's Gospel, uh, a history of, uh, of, of Jesus' time on earth. He wrote his letters, and he wrote Revelation. And he's very clear that the reason that he's writing each one is different. So in, um, in his Gospel, he says, I'm writing it 
to convince, to persuade people of the, uh, you know, of the truth of what you've heard. That Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus came and died for our sins and, and, and was resurrected uh, to show us that we have hope in eternal life. Um, this is what he writes in John 20, verses 30 to 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these, by implication are these particular things that Jesus did, are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So he was very clear what he was doing. He was writing it so that people would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing they would have life. Uh, the life that only God brings. So he's really clear about why he wrote his um, his gospel. And interestingly, Luke says something very similar, doesn't he? He says, um, uh, and this is worth reading out because it's so clear. Many, he says, have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. And uh, that's at the beginning, the very first thing that Luke says as he starts uh, writing his Gospel. So the Gospel writers were very clear that they were writing to uh, convince people of the truths of, of Jesus Christ. And actually, you know what? We, we need to go back, I think, to the Gospels, to remind ourselves of those truths. I had the privilege of uh, leading um, on a, a, a Christian uh, camp over the summer for teenagers, and, uh, and I was chatting to, to some of the kids, and we were going back over what uh, the Gospels tell us historically about Jesus, and how, you know, how um, attested they are, how strong the evidence is. You know, we need to go back and remind ourselves how strong the evidence is for these amazing truths that we're told about, the amazing stories that we hear about Jesus. So that was why John wrote his Gospel. He wrote Revelation very simply because Jesus told him to. You know, he says, Jesus came to me and said, write these things down. It's that simple. Um, now, that was true in a sense for all that he wrote, but that was a very direct command. That was why he wrote Revelation, and that obviously was to encourage us about the future. But he wrote his uh, he wrote his letters to encourage people who were already Christians, but who were struggling. And that may be us today. You know, we're Christians, but we're struggling. You know, things are not are not easy. I mean, I, I was interested. I don't know whether it was John Newton wrote that particular phrase uh, but in the in the song uh, that we just um, sang. It said, "With ease." You know, we do this with ease. Well, I'm not sure that we do it with ease very often. Maybe sometimes we do. Often it's a struggle, isn't it, um, to fight back against the world, sin and the devil. Um, and, and John knew that. And he knew that his, um, his readers were struggling. They were struggling with, with doubts about whether they really were Christians. Um, they'd been convinced, if you like, by his gospel, let's say. They'd been convinced, actually haven't been probably haven't quite written it at that point, but you know what I mean. Uh, They've been convinced by, the, uh, by the, the, the truth of the gospel, but they were still struggling, they were still doubting. They were thinking, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not good enough to be a Christian or whatever. And we, we will have those doubts. We'll think, I'm not good enough, 
um, I don't believe enough, um, you know, I don't, I don't do enough, or whatever it is. And what he's saying is, um, in, in verse 13 of this uh, section, he sums up, if you like, uh, the reason for all the things that he's written before. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Notice, he's writing to people who believe that they may know. Many of us believe, but we don't always know. We know we have doubts, we have struggles. We don't, you know, we, we worry, don't we? What he's saying, if you believe, if you, if you believe, then you can know. I'm writing to encourage you to know. And we've, we've said this, or Chris has said this many, many times as we've been going through 1 John, but it's worth saying again here. What are the three, what are the three texts, if you like, that he says apply in your life so that you can know that you really are a Christian? He says, if we, one, accept that Jesus is the Christ, two, love other Christians, and three, obey the, God's commandments, by which I would understand that as being how Jesus summed up the commandments. Love, love God and love your neighbour as yourself. If you accept Jesus as is the Christ, love other Christians, and love God and love your neighbour, you're a Christian. He says, you can know that you're a Christian. Now, he then, he obviously spends a lot of time saying, that doesn't mean to say you don't get things wrong. Of course you sin. You know, we will sin as Christians. But we can, you know, with God's help, we can pick ourselves up and stop ourselves, keep sinning, if you like. But he says, if, if those three things are true, then you can know you're a Christian. And that's why he's writing his, uh, his, his letter, to encourage people who are struggling. And, and much of the New Testament is written, well, you know, the, probably the majority of the, the New Testament is written to encourage us as Christians. And we can go back and be encouraged, be challenged. When we read the New Testament, um, uh, Jude um, wrote uh, something uh, similar, which was, although, he says, when he writes his book, his letter, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, let's, let's celebrate the salvation we share, I felt I also had to write and urge you to contend for the faith. So he's writing his letter to encourage people, encourage them, you know, by sharing some of the wonderful things um, that, that, that God has done, but also encourage them to keep on keeping on. And if you go into Paul's letters, you see similar things. The New Testament is there for our encouragement. So use it, read it, you know, read it every day, you know, be encouraged by it. But specifically here, John is saying the rest of the, the, all the letter that I've written up until now is to encourage those of you who are finding it tough, who are struggling, who are having doubts about whether you're really Christians. And here are the tests uh, that you can apply. But he then goes on, and this is, if you like, my second point. Uh, he then goes on to say, in actual fact, you can not only have confidence in God that he saved you, but you can also have confidence in God that he's with you day by day. So much of the letter so far has been about you know, the confidence that we can have that we're truly saved and, and that you know, we're going to have eternal life and that God's done that for us. But now he moves on now in verse 14 onwards to say actually you can also have confidence that God's going to be with you um, day by day and, and, and therefore you can be for that reason, confident Christians. Um, one of the great things of being retired 
um, I used to be a head teacher. One of the great things about being retired is um, I don't have that though, that sort of uh, horrible in pit of my stomach feeling. Um, the last week of August when the results are coming out, and that was this week. And I slept soundly on Tuesday night, um, but I also did bang off a text to my ex-colleagues at my old school saying, you know, I'm thinking of you uh, tomorrow morning when you get the results. It's also a time of year when uh, we get uh, in schools, and, and I still get quite a lot of stuff uh, about schools uh, in my inbox, uh, it's the, the time of year when there's a flurry of prescriptions arrive. Um, for what you can do better this year. You know, they're trying to take advantage of the fact that maybe things haven't gone quite as well as you'd hoped. Um, or in fact, in some cases, have been a complete and utter disaster, you know. And they're trying to pick, they're trying to sort of say, right, okay, maybe if you do this next year, it will be so much better. And you know, um, we're offering it to you at a great value price, you know. Um, and, and one dropped into my inbox um, just a couple of days ago, which was sort of Interesting, given that I was going to come and talk about confidence this morning. Um, and it said, uh, teacher hints um, for building confidence in the classroom. And it had five things that you were supposed to do as a teacher to build confidence in your young people. Number one was consolidate, consolidate, consolidate. I.e. bore the pants off them by doing the same thing several times. Um, there is some truth in that, um, sadly. Uh, well, uh, you know, consolidate, consolidate, consolidate. Then it was explicit rehearsal. Now, I'm not absolutely sure what that was. I think I know what it was. I didn't bother to find out. Um, repeated short feedback loops. Are you excited as I'm excited now? Um, scaffold the details. Yeah, scaffold the details. And finally, retrieval with agency. Those were the five tips, right? Um, I think I know what they mean, but I'm not absolutely sure, and I'm so glad I don't have to find out. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, but it's all about building confidence, and I'll tell you what, I, what I discovered um, working in the school that I worked in um, is that, you know, confidence for so many kids, and I think this is probably true for, for, for all of us, um, without God, confidence is circumstance-related. Um, now that may be big or it may be small. It may be because you come from a you know an affluent, supportive background. It may be because and you, you know you're confident as a result until something <coughs> goes wrong. But or it may be that you're not very confident because nobody in your family's ever done very much, um, and you don't believe that you can do very well in life because people like you just don't do very well. And I had an awful lot of that in my school, and it's very very sad. Um, confidence for for us outside of God is circumstance related fundamentally. Um, what John is promising here to us in these next few verses is a confidence that is not circumstance related. It is not related to our success or failure. It is not related to what's going on in our lives. It is related to the dependability of God. And this is what he says. He says um, that there are four things we can know that give us confidence. One is, God is merciful. And that's verse 13 and verse uh, 20. Um, secondly, God listens and answers our prayers. Thirdly, God protects us um, spiritually, protects us spiritually. He will keep us safe spiritually. He will keep us safe in his kingdom and his family. And finally, God gives us an understanding of the gospel, the things that we need to know to be uh, effective 
Christians and disciples. So that, you know, he's saying the, the real confidence that you need is a confidence in God. And here are four things that you can be confident that God will provide day by day. God is merciful. God listens and answers our prayers. God protects us um, from the devil. And God gives us understanding of the gospel. Um, and of course, he's previously said how we can't have confidence in ourselves. We've got to look to God. He said, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. So don't look to yourself. Look to God. But here's the good news. Here's four great things we can hold on to that God does for us. Um, so in verse uh, 13, we've already uh, read about how he's saying that we can know um, that we're saved. But in verse 20, he says, We are in him who is true by being in his son Jesus Christ. So if we're in Jesus Christ, then God is the true God. He will not let us down, and he gives us eternal life. So God is merciful, and God does give us eternal life. He is true, and we can depend on him. Then in verse 14 uh, to 17, he talks about the confidence that we can have in the fact that God listens, and he answers our prayers. This is the confidence, he says, he uses the word, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Now, notice that he does say, if we ask according to his will, because he's very conscious that God's will will always work out. You know, God's will is not going to be um, in any way changed. But but if it's within God's will, he's going to answer. And he's always listening. Um, Psalm 121, um, we talked about it on Wednesday, but Psalm 121, one of my favourite psalms, if I'm allowed to have a favourite, um, says, God never slumbers or sleeps. You know, we don't have a God who's off duty sometimes. God's always there. Whatever the, whatever the circumstance, whatever the difficulty, whatever situation you're in, God's going to listen. And he answers our prayers. Now, I've got to take a little bit of sidestep here because there is um, there is this uh, comment in the middle of this incredibly positive uh, <coughs> set of you know um, sentences about uh, the confidence that we can have in a God who listens and answers. There's this um, <coughs> section about um, the fact that there is a sin that leads to death. I am not saying that you should pray about that. And when, when, when Chris gave me, you know, sermons preaching John, I thought, oh, that, that's fine, yeah, that's fine. Um, you know, th- that would be just wonderful to preach about, you know, how confident we can be in God and how God looks after us and, and all the rest of it. And then I thought, oh, he's giving me this bit. Um, now, I know, I know that, um, <laughs> I know Steve had, had an interesting passage last week, to be fair. Um, but, you know, this one, just this little, you know, almost, almost like a little sign. That, that John says, there is a, you know, like he's just encouraging us to pray for each other, you know, it's fantastic. But then he says, there is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. Anyway, after much research and thinking and reflection, because it isn't an easy verse to understand, is it, quite frankly, um, I'm going to say three things about it. Uh, and and there's, a, there's, a, there's a bit of a, a bit of context here. Um, Bible writers, so Bible interpreters, Bible commentators that I um, think are great people 
disagree about this first. All right? Now, I could, sp- I could spend a long time explaining how we all disagree. Um, and if you really want to come and talk to him sometime about how we all disagree, then I'm quite happy to talk to you about it. But I don't think that's very useful this morning. Okay? Um, what is useful, I think, is, is three things that, that the more I thought about it this week, that I have decided are true. Uh, you know, it comes with a health warning, it's what I think. Okay? Um, and, and it is a tricky verse. But here's what I think, three things that I think about this verse, and I think we have to deal with it this morning. Um, First of all, let's get it in context. John's whole purpose, as we've seen, is to encourage us, to encourage us to know that we are saved, to encourage us to know that God uh, forgives our sins, and to encourage us to have confidence in God. That's the whole purpose of his book. So I'm going to say this. He is not here trying to undermine that confidence or worry us. It wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. So whatever he's saying, he doesn't undermine or go against the rest of what he said in his book, which is that God saves, and that we can know that we are saved, and that as we keep on sinning, as we inevitably will, God will save us from those sins. That, it doesn't, it can't undermine that. That wouldn't make any sense. So it doesn't mean that. It doesn't, and it's not something, therefore, that we should worry about. Um, so we should keep on praying for other people, as he encourages us to do. We should keep on praying for ourselves. We should keep on praying for people dear to us who are not Christians. Okay? There's nothing in here that says we shouldn't do that, I don't think. Secondly, John doesn't explain what he means. So when he talks about this sin that leads to death, he doesn't explain what it is. Now I think that's because he believes his readers know what it means. That makes sense. I think he believes his readers know what it means. So it must be something that that is, you know, common knowledge in the church, or that. that and I think it's, in a sense, what John is dealing with here. He's dealing. He's, he's writing to these Christians to encourage them because they've, there's been a lot of false teaching that's undermined their confidence. I think that's what he has in mind here. I think he's thinking about these false teachers who have uh, who have set out deliberately to undermine the gospel, to undermine the confidence of uh, the Christians that, that John is writing to in the, 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 the salvation of Jesus Christ, the sufficient and complete salvation that is in Jesus Christ. I think he's got those people in mind. I can't prove it, but it makes sense to me that because he doesn't explain it, and because it's clearly such an extreme thing that he's talking about, um, and he's, he's already talked about the fact that God does save us from our sins and keeps on saving us from sins, I think he's got that in mind. That's my view. Um, thirdly, notice that he's not saying we shouldn't pray about this particular issue, whatever it is. He's just saying, I don't think it's a good idea. Now, why does he say it's not a good idea? Well, again, we can only speculate um, that if he is these people, then they're dangerous. And you need to keep away from them, quite frankly. Um, So I think that may be the reason he's saying, don't get involved, don't pray for them, don't. Um, But also, we do have to remember that when Jesus sent out 72, um, uh, and we can read about that in Luke chapter 10, He does say, spend time with people who are welcoming to you, who want to hear what 
about the you know the gospel that you're that you're uh, that you have. So if people are interested and welcoming, then spend time with them. Tell them more about me, about what I've come to do. And if people aren't welcoming, don't worry about it. Move on. Yeah? So it may just be, a, you know, there's not much point in praying about this. It is better to spend your prayer life praying about other things. So it could be one or two of those, or maybe both. Um, those are the three things I want to say about that particular verse. Um, there is much more that could be said because we could talk about all the different views that, that, that people have. But I think that's probably uh, where I've come down. But the key thing is that we can be confident in a God who listens and answers our prayers. The next confidence that we can have is a confidence in God's protection. Now, as I said at the beginning, the, the, uh, the devil is an unfashionable concept uh, these days, but the Bible is very clear. He's real. And we need protecting from him. In fact, the Bible tells us that the, the, the devil is, in, in a sense, in charge under God's sovereignty. He is in charge of the world. He, you know, um, and, and that's why he's so dangerous. Uh, he offered to Jesus, didn't he, um, control of the world. He couldn't have done that if God was not allowing him uh, the, the ability uh, to, to, you know, to offer that, if you like. So the, de- the devil exists. Um, difficult to understand exactly, you know, you know the devil, but the devil exists and he's dangerous and he has a, a measure of control under God's sovereignty in the world until God finally deals with him. Um, and so we need protection from the devil, uh, and we need protection from the, you know, all the bad things in, uh, that, that will come um, at us because we live in a fallen world. And what? John says it's not that we're going to be, you know, protected physically from all these things, not that we're going to be protected emotionally or psychologically from all these things. If we're in a fallen world and the devil's on the prowl, then bad things are going to happen. But what John does say is we can absolutely um, trust um, God to keep us safe in that in that situation. We know, he says, verse 18, 19, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. Um, by which he means um, not falling into sin, the same sin continually. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God, even though, he says, that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Um, So we're children of God, even though the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We are kept safe. So there's realism here. It's going to be tough, it's going to be difficult. But... God is in control. James writes in his uh, letter, James 4, 7 to 8, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. There is that consistent promise in uh, the New Testament that if we cling to God, he will protect us. Uh, He will keep us from falling, um, whatever the circumstances, however difficult uh, they are. And the final confidence that we can have is confidence in God's revelation. Um, and uh, I don't think that means you're going to understand every verse uh, perfectly because we've just found one that I certainly wouldn't claim to understand perfectly. But what it does mean is that as you read the Bible and as the Holy Spirit um, works in your life as you read the, the Bible, so you will understand all that you need to understand. And you will understand more the more that you read. 
Um, he says, uh, John says in verse 20, we also know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. You know Jesus through the Bible. Um, as Hebrews 1 verse 2 says, in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in his last days he has spoken to us by his Son. And so when we read the New Testament and we read about Jesus, we read God's final revelation. Um, and we can uh, come to know him more and more as we do so. Paul writes in Romans 16, The revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God. Read your Bible. Um, and as you do so, uh, the spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. That's Jesus uh, in John 16. And John knew that because he'd heard Jesus say it. And so when he writes this, he knows that as you read the scriptures, as you read the Old and the New Testament, um, you will know uh, and you will understand all that you need to know and understand. And you'll get to know Jesus better and better and better. Finally, um, after building up um, the reader's confidence through telling him these wonderful truths, he has one final Little, little verse, little sentence, which is wonderful. Um, keep yourselves, dear children, from idols. It's just a little weird thing. You know? He's done all this wonderful stuff about building people's, uh, you know, building everybody's confidence. And then he says, but keep yourself from idols. But actually, I think it follows on. And I would describe it as focus. I describe it as a, an injunction to keep the main thing the main thing. You know what? If God is that great, if God is this person that we can totally and utterly depend on, why would we, you know, in, in that day, my literally have been a little idol. Why would you have put, you know, an idol in your in your living room? You know what? What's the point of that? You know, that's just a, as, as we know, that's just as the Bible writes itself. That's just a bit of stone. That's just a bit of wood. Why on earth would you would you do that? Of course, idols can mean anything that. Uh, comes between us and God. But how stupid that we should allow anything to come between us and this God who has saved us and who is with us every day, protecting us, giving us understanding, listening to us. Why on earth would we put something else in the way? Uh, Hebrews again says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who stuck at it and kept going, let us lay aside every weight Every sin which clings so closely, put aside all these idols and these things that distract. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. The New Testament writers want you to be confident in your faith and, and therefore to walk confidently as Christians in a challenging world, knowing that God will not let you down. That's what John is telling us. That's what all the New Testament writers tell us. Be confident in your faith. Be confident in the God who will not let you down. And keep the main thing the main thing, therefore. Amen. Amen. Amen.